Welcome back to Momplicated. This week has been a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, I wasn't feeling well, surprise, surprise, but I won't get into that because I'm pretty sure I just sound like a hypochondriac at this point. People are like, do you ever feel well? No, no, I guess I really just don't. Um, But on the upside, my kids are at school today, which seems to be, it's like a 50-50 chance whether they'll they'll be at school between, you know, sick days and random days off. Um, I had to, I actually had to text a friend yesterday to be like, do our kids have school today? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, thanks. Good to know. And that, that was the entire exchange. Um, which gives you a good idea of which type of mom friend I am. Like it didn't even phase her that I texted her that. <laughs> but uh and it probably wasn't even the first time that I had that exact conversation with her. But everyone's out of the house, though it took some effort. Um, every day at 3 p.m., I wonder why I'm so exhausted. And then it's days like today that I'm reminded that as a parent of three kids, I have lived a thousand lives by 9 a.m. Shuffling kids to different schools and childcare and finding out one forgot a book that they needed for a class. Uh, and yes, we took it to him. I am very much the like the bring the forgotten thing to your kid at school parent, uh, mostly because I can obviously be a forgetful person myself. Like I don't even know if my kids have school. Um, and there are plenty of times that I've had to call my husband and be like, hey, can you bring me that thing I left on the counter? So we're all just out here trying our best. But uh, I'm really excited for our episode today because we are doing another round of Q&A where I answer your questions. We have producer Andy here to read them. Hey, Dana. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. We've got a great set of questions here. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Bring it on. Okay, once again, we've changed the name slightly just to uh, protect the innocent. Um, (laughs) First question comes from Peyton. Peyton says, my oldest, age eight, is a yes girl. She's done gymnastics for years. And as she's gotten older, she's had good coaches and then not so good coaches. And she stopped growing in her skills and seemingly was not enjoying it, not making friends, not giving effort. But when pressed about whether she wanted to keep doing it, she'd always say yes. We finally pulled her out in June, and she hardly ever mentions it, but occasionally we'll say she misses it. But the parent world seems so divided on what to do. I feel like many say, if they want to do it, let them. But I feel like, number one, gymnastics is expensive for someone who doesn't seem destined to be a gymnast, and two, there are so many other things to try. So I guess my question is, how do you guide your children? How do you guide your children and have their long-term in mind without forcing or choosing for them? At what point is encouraging things actually choosing the things for them? Like my daughter isn't going to know that she can try softball unless I offer it to her. Hmm. Yeah. We, um, we have a yes kid too. And usually it's great because I feel like it also means that he's pretty like go with the flow. 
but we've run into this issue before. And I think a big part of it is that things like club sports and travel sports and like kids are specializing in sports so early, which we know is not great for many reasons, but it is a big business now. Um, But many sports have become like so ungodly expensive that like letting your kids even try them is not possible for so many people. And then there's also the fear of like, them falling behind um if they take a break because so so many other so many kids are just like all in on one sport even though they are so young um our our like unwritten rule of sort but i guess it's not it's not really a rule it's just like the the way we ended up doing things i think is that once they reach like a certain age i would say like first grade second grade Ideally, they choose like one activity per season, like hopefully no more than one sport per season, but sometimes they overlap and that that does suck, especially like as they get older and it gets more intense, but like it can be a sport or music, art, whatever, and then you just have to stick with that like for the season. We're really lucky where we live to have great rec programs, which I feel like are such like a dying thing, unfortunately. Um, we get to take advantage of that. And because when it comes to things like travel and club sports, I'm like, you, you need to be into it or our family's not going to put in the time and the energy and the money to make it happen. Like if I was in, if I were in her shoes and my kid was like, meh about gymnastics, I'd, I'd totally be like, all right, well, you're going to finish out the session and then maybe it's time to try something new. Um, I don't. I don't let them quit mid-session, like even if my kid's not really digging it. And I know a lot of people are like, like this can be an area where some people are like, no, we like let our children decide when they're done. Um, For me, it's not so much about honoring like the commitment as much as it is we have a kid, a couple kids who sometimes struggle with like anxiety and I've learned that when I let her make decisions out of anxiety, like quitting an activity, it sort of like reinforces the acti- that anxiety. Um, so I've learned sometimes that like I do have to push her a bit because she can get very in her head about things, which she gets from me. And then um, but when she does the thing, she's like, oh, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, so there is a lot that I feel like she would miss out on if we didn't sometimes push her. But um, something that Lauren, who's been on a couple episodes with me, said uh, a while back is that she allows her oldest to have sort of like um, like one or two skip days per session, like outside of being sick or having like a legitimate reason which i think is a great way to balance like getting them to stick to something but also having more of like a say in their lives um and then i feel like it gets even more complicated because like if you have kids who are neurodivergent like adhd um a lot of times transitions can be hard so we have found that like getting ready for different activities leaving for an activity stopping whatever they're, they're doing previously like those things can all be kind of struggle and often 
come off as apathy at times or make them feel um, like they don't want to do it when in reality, it's just like the transition that's making it difficult. So for us, it's about like easing that transition. And then um, on that same note, like I keep coming back to the ADHD kids, but that's what I know. And I think uh, they do also struggle with practicing and putting in the time to simply improve like they need more of an incentive than just like well practice makes you better so you need to practice like you're probably going to have to provide some other incentives or like other you know like if you're trying to get your kid to practice like a musical instrument like body doubling or something like that that like encourages them otherwise they're they might not otherwise take the initiative to do it themselves What's body doubling? It's like an ADHD. Um, it, it's really common with ADHD where you work better if you have another person there with you also working or even just like in your vicinity. Um, and you can fake it by recording yourself too. Like that's one way that people will sometimes like body double. Um, but like if you if you have like an ADHD kid who won't clean their room, a lot of times if you are just in their room with them, it will it will help them to do it. It keeps them on task. Uh, I know that even like this about me as an adult, I ha- work way better if someone else is there with me. Like working alone by myself, I am so much less productive than if I have another person there, even if they're working on something totally different. The other part of the question, I feel like the underlying thing that I hear in the question is also about sort of opportunity cost mm-hmm. and kids and sports, because I noticed that her daughter is eight. So like, mm-hmm. if she's not super passionate about gymnastics, is this the time to pull her out and get her into something different while she's still young enough that she can grow in that sport? Because it is, it does seem harder for kids to join up in sports later, like in their teen years. It's almost like they've, they've, the trains left the station. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that we as parents now just need to let go because there are so many things available to kids now, like activities that I never had the opportunity to do, you know, like you're never going to try them all. And that's okay. Like, Sure, maybe she would love softball, but if you don't want to sit through softball games, like I personally feel like that's reason enough to be like, nah, not our thing. Like, who knows? Maybe I would have been an incredible lacrosse player, but like I never gave it a shot, you know? (laughs) I wouldn't worry about the what ifs. Um, And I wouldn't feel bad about saying like our family isn't interested in adding, you know, softball or any other sport to our schedule right now. Like, it's okay to make decisions based on what's best for us as parents, because it's not just the kids doing the activities, right? It's us planning and paying and driving and dedicating a lot of like the family's time. Um, And what's best for us as parents, I feel like is always going to serve our kids really well. And I do feel like, I mean, a part of it is just knowing your kid's personality, I guess. And like, what sports do you think they, they would excel at, you know? what sports do you think would be great for them? And then let go of this idea that like, oh, we got to try this, this, and this. Like, what if, you know, what if she's amazing? We wouldn't want her to get behind. 
it's just some that's one of those things that I feel like is such like a modern day parenting struggle that we just have to like let go of. And the other the truth is none of our kids are going pro like very few of them will even play in college. Right. So you have to ask yourself, like, why are we doing this? Why do we sign our kids up for these things? And for us, like for our family, it's physical activity and socialization and like, you know, making friends, learning from another adult and teamwork and all that stuff, like fresh air, change of scenery. And there are so many activities that fill those needs. So I don't have to work like when I when I keep that in mind, it doesn't feel so like I need to worry about my kid having this opportunity to try every sport out there. Um, And yeah, I think it, it comes back to knowing them and their limits and when to when to push them, when to, you know, make exceptions too, because like my daughter last year was in two back-to-back dance classes and um, it got, well, it was in the fall and it just got to be too much for her. Like she's my introvert and my homebody and she was spent a lot of winter sick. And so we ended up dropping one class and now she's just in, in the other one and now she's doing great. And I feel like she's thriving but it is one of those things like dance is also one of those things it's year round here, like where we go. And so in come fall, like we have to make a choice about like, she'll have to decide, you know, do you want to keep doing this or do you want to try something else? But there is always that like, well, will she like fall behind, you know, will and will she, it's, those are all things that I feel like we just have to like, let go of a little bit and like maybe your kid's gonna make the wrong decision maybe they're gonna be like yeah i want to try something new and they try soccer and they freaking hate soccer and like such is life you know but i do think yeah if you if you keep in mind like the why behind it all like are you hoping that she'll be in the olympics for gymnastics probably not i'm assuming you know so if you keep your why in the back of your head i feel like it just makes the decision less stressful okay sarah asks how did you know when to stop breastfeeding? <clears throat> My boobs are screaming, but you know, brain health and immunity. She writes, <laughs> "Girl, be done, be done. <laughs> if you want to be done, be done." I feel like we put we put so much pressure on ourselves when it comes to feeding our kids, and it really does start from the very beginning with breastfeeding. And I feel like we can get kind of like unhinged and obsessive about it all. Um, My mom is one of the most amazing people I know. And when she was a baby, like as an infant, she was fed a combination of evaporated milk and caro syrup as an infant instead of formula. Like that's what a lot of people did. And I'm not trying to like minimize the benefits of breastfeeding. And I, I say this as someone who breastfed for like a combined total of seven or more years but I do think we can get like a little bit wacky about it all and the thing that I always tell myself is like the stress is going to kill me faster than anything else which isn't always comforting (laughs) when I'm thinking about what to feed my family it is so yeah I feel like especially like it sounds like you know you're done Sarah I feel like you want somebody to tell you it's okay and I'm telling you it's okay just be done (laughs) okay Jessica writes, now that you have three kids, what are three things you would go back and tell yourself as a new mom? Mm, 
This is a deep one. And I feel like if I had to narrow it down to three, well, first I'd be like, Dana, you have postpartum anxiety. Go to the doctor. (laughs) But uh, I think one of the big ones for me was like, let motherhood change you. I feel like moms are so often we're like kind of made to be the butt of the joke a little bit. Like once you become a mom, you're kind of like lame or uncool. And there's like the stereotype of the disheveled mom. Um, Maybe it's not like a total stereotype, (laughs) but I think because of that, we like always fear the way motherhood is going to change us because from the outside, maybe it looks like kind of sad and like kind of negative, But I think the reality is that it really changes you in a way that highlights the things that are important to you. Like you learn to really reprioritize um, and there's so much growth and change, like good change that happens. But you just you get a different picture of it, I think, from the outside. And I think especially because I was fairly young when I had my first, I was so terrified of that change because I like clung to those those incorrect assumptions that I had held in my head and I think for a long time I tried to find my way back to like that pre-mom version of myself and maybe some people get there but I felt like I and I still feel like that version of me just doesn't exist anymore and I think I felt pretty lost as a result um rather than like leaning into the new version of myself that I had become And again, in hindsight, like that new version was better. Like there was so much growth. It gave gave me a whole new perspective on the world and life. But I think I was so scared of being like changed by motherhood. Like we make it sound like a bad thing that I resisted it. Um, So I guess like what I'm saying is there's like so much good waiting on the other side, even if you can't see it now. Like and even if you're like in those early days, like that process let motherhood change you because like the, and the because time changes us all right anyways I just think parent becoming a parent tends to like magnify it or accelerate it a little bit um yeah so that would probably that that was probably my biggest thing like in hindsight that I think back that I would have loved to have heard like it's okay you're a different person now it's okay be a different person <laughs> And then another big one that I I tell people all the time now, actually, is like, trust yourself. Find a pediatrician you love and like surround yourself with loving people who have been in your shoes and ask them their advice when you need to. But other than that, like trust yourself, like don't especially now in like modern day parenting, like don't passively sit there and unintentionally absorb advice from the internet. You know, Joe and I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, like talk to your friends with kids or your sister or cousins or mom or like anyone else who you actually know who has kids because you'll get much more honest advice and better feedback than like some internet stranger who really knows nothing about your life. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, no, you have to know that you can trust yourself and like your intuition and instincts, because you are going to be like, you're going to be the number one expert on your child. And so 
might as well start now. The last one, and I talked about this in an earliest, uh, earlier episode, is like not everything that your kid does from like how well they sleep to how, how they do in school is a reflection of you or your parenting. Like so much of it isn't. And I said before how the first time around, I, I felt so responsible for like molding and shaping this, this little person. And I felt like every single decision that I made mattered so, so much, which was just this breeding ground for perfectionism and not a fun experience. Um, but then as time went on and I had like more kids, I realized that they, they are kind of just who they are. And my job is just like to guide them and love them while they figure it out and grow into those people that they were meant to be like. Um, and I think knowing that it helped helps you par- like better parent the kids that you have in front of you. Right. And not who you like, ha- like the idea you had in your head about who they were like supposed to be um, and like better accept who they are and like embrace their different journeys so those those would be my top three pieces of advice I could go on but I feel like those are the things that like if I if I had a do-over I think those are the three things that I would try to like embody going forward okay so Kate asks how do you maintain intimacy with your husband amongst the craziness of having kids. I love my husband tons. He's a great co-parent and partner, but our sex life is really sad these days. Our kids are six and three, and I'm wondering if this is just a phase we're in that will get better as the kids get older. And it doesn't help that I co-sleep with the three-year-old. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Um, it's interesting because the first thing that I thought was that I don't know what your definition of really sad is, because for some people that could mean that they haven't had sex in a year. And for some people, it could mean like a week, though. I would be very impressed if that's your definition of sad, (laughs) but I do think it highlights that there's like a really no normal when it comes to sex in a relationship. And I have to start by saying that I think a lot of the marital advice that's still like floating around out there is so outdated and very often like patriarchal. And I think saying like sex is so important to a marriage is one of those like very unhelpful things people say. Um, First, because I, I know that it's far from the most important thing for so many people. And then second, because I, I think it can like hearing that can lead to a lot of like shame and guilt. If it's not something like if you're not in a phase where you can currently like prioritize it, which obviously is also not, not helpful. Um, I would argue that like intimacy and physical touch are usually really important to people and relationships, but I don't think that translates to sex. And I know there are, there are people in loving marriages and like partnerships that have like little to no sex due to either circumstances or disability or because some people are asexual and I think this kind of messaging this emphasis on like you're not having enough sex can be so damaging for a lot of people 
And on the flip side, there are like also plenty of people with very active sex lives who wind up divorced or dealing with infidelity or other issues. Like I sex is not some foolproof way to protect a marriage. And I feel like sometimes we act like it is. Um, but what I like what I have gathered on this topic is and like to put it simply is it's only it's a problem if it's a problem like I think when people have mismatched sex drives or if this was like really bothering one of you that's obviously something that that could lead to issues and like needs to be addressed um whether it's just talking to your partner or like couples therapy but if you're both like we know this is a phase we're simply tired and we're short on time and we still love each other. Um, I feel like my needs are getting met in a way that I'm good with. Like, great, no issue. Your relationship is fine. You're not doomed. Um, and I think the other thing is you have a really young child still. Like people will act like three is old, but it is not. A three-year-old is a baby to me. I say this because I have a three-year-old. <laughs> and I think now there's more talk around like, postpartum as really being more of like a multi-year process phase rather than like the measly three months that we were told for so long um which is good because you are still in the thick of it with a three-year-old like maybe not in the way that you were with a six-month-old but you still are and the older that your kids get, the more you'll rebound in your sex life and many other aspects of your life and I think the overwhelming like majority of couples would agree with that. Um, I would say like in the meantime, like lean into like other, you know, more accessible <laughs> forms of, of physical touch and intimacy, like hugs, kisses, like I'm, I'm physical touch is kind of up there for me, but I'm also so touched out by kids. Like at the end of the day that I, I really just appreciate like, little touches here and there and and the hugs and the kisses and just sweet texts um or if you're like you really want to kick up your sex life then I would say tell your spouse that <laughs> you need more time to yourself to get out of mom mode because I do feel like sometimes that's one of the barriers when you have young kids um cup of joe had a really good article a long time ago about how after like a date night, the dad should pay the sitter because if the mom does it, it like puts her back into mom mode. And then the night's just like done. You're like over, over it. Um, like the ideal situation would be like you go out to dinner or whatever and you have a sitter who puts all your kids down and picks up your house and like you get home and dad pays the sitter. But I think we all know that's like a unicorn fairy tale, at least for, in my experience. <laughs> but I do... Um, I do think like a more accessible alternative to that is that I've shared in the past um, is like mom, maybe mom goes out with friends or alone and dad stays at home and gets the kids to bed and make sure the house isn't in a wreck so that when she comes home, she gets to stay in that like more relaxed zone rather than like being thrown back into mom mode. And I'm not even saying this is like a, a this is a guaranteed way to get you laid that night, you know, but I do feel like anytime like the mom has more opportunities to not be in that like very child centric world that she's living in with young kids is going to bring you closer and closer to like 
the the prospect of it. Um, and then obviously, like he should have an opportunity to do the same. But and I know like a lot of people will read books to get in the mood. And that's not really for me. It's not my preferred genre. I always feel like the odd person out when I say that. But I think because I have when you have young kids, at least for me, I have such minimal time to read these days. That, like if I'm picking up a book, it's it's not gonna be a sexy book. <laughs> I'm I'm reading something else if I actually have time to read. But um, I do feel like back like back to the original question though if you're just if you're feeling bad about it because you just feel like you should be having more sex then like no it's not a problem if it's not a problem and don't should yourself like they this is what we do all the time we should be doing this we should be doing that um and the vibe that i actually feel like i'm getting from the way the question was asked is that you both don't seem to think it's a big issue. You, again, just want to be told that it will get better. And yes, 1000%, it will get better. You will rebound. You're in a tricky phase. And, and yeah, it'll get, it'll get better. Okay. Sloan writes, my best friend and I got pregnant six months apart. Now she has a two-year-old and I have a a one-and-a-half-year-old. We live about an hour and a half away from each other. A while back, I stopped reaching out to check in with her and plan things with her because I wanted to see if she'd initiate. She rarely (laughs) does. She posts plenty of trips with new girlfriends and group family trips with her new friends and her husband's friends. The last petty thing that I've been focused on Her family came to our town for one of the hubby's friend's birthday parties, and they just stopped by to say hello to us. She didn't even RSVP for my kid's one-year-old birthday party, let alone come. I've tried to give her grace because I know motherhood is different for all of us. Do I hold out hope that when the kids are older, we will reconnect, or should I just give up? And was it wrong to think we'd have this magical experience of having our kids grow up together? One, I would say, no, I don't think you're wrong for like, I mean, that's that is the thought of that is so nice, right? You're like your best friends, you're raising your babies together. Like that is the dream. Um, But obviously, like, you know, people change, uh, especially I feel like once you have kids and it does get more complicated than just like, we we're going to live happily ever after as best friends with our babies. <laughs> Um, I I really like this question because I'm the friend that's not great at reaching out. And <laughs> luckily, most of my friends know that. Uh, but they do also know that if if they reach out, I'm often like still game for whatever. I don't I don't know if it's like an ADHD thing or a busy mom thing or what, but I am so bad. I'm I'm pretty bad about staying in touch with people once I don't see them regularly or like don't talk to them regularly. Like it's it's like an object permanence thing for me or something, which makes me feel like an ass a lot of the time. But um I will also hang out with those people and again in like a heartbeat and able am able to pick up right where I left off. And once I started realizing this about myself, I feel like I did start to make more of like a conscious effort to be the one to reach out, but I'm far from perfect at it. So um, it is really possible that she is spending the people she's spending time with are also the ones making plans and she's just like along for the ride. 
Um, but I also respect that it's really frustrating to be the one putting in the effort all the time. So I'm curious what the vibe is like when you do hang out. Like if you continue making plans, is she all about it or is she kind of like hesitant or ghosting a little bit when you make plans? Um, and then like, yeah, do you, do you get along just fine when you're together and everything seems great? I also feel like an hour and a half is right on that cusp that makes things tricky for me. I guess it depends where you live, but I'm in a small town and I bitch when I have to drive more than like 20 minutes anywhere, <laughs> especially with my kids. Um, and anything further than an hour honestly feels so far. Um, so that could play a part in it, but <clears throat> I would say the big red flag for me is that she missed your baby's birthday party. Like that seems like that tells me some something seems like it's up. Maybe it's got nothing to do with your friendship. Like maybe she's struggling with something else like anxiety or she feels like she's drowning in motherhood. Um, and it makes it hard for her to reach out and make the drive. And it's possible she's not even fully seeing it. I think, you know. She didn't RSVP either. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, that's the big, like, red flag in this all that makes you think there's something more going on. And I know, like, I'm, I, I totally get not wanting confrontation, but I do think that is a situation where you, you should totally be like, Hey, I just wanted to check in and make sure everything's okay. Like I noticed you didn't even RSVP, you know, as I, as is something up. And I feel like nobody could re receive that in a way that's like, would they would be upset, you know? Um, because it's, it's possible that she's, she's struggling and, and doesn't, doesn't fully see it or, Maybe she is just like, and because of that, leaning into those friendships with people who she lives closer to, because there are only so many hours in the day. And that's just what's easier for her right now with a toddler and nap schedules and bedtimes. But um, yeah, I'd still be curious, like what the vibe is like when you're together, like if you still have a good relationship. Otherwise, then I think the question is like, are you OK being the one to continuously go the 90% or whatever, while she only gives 10 or less. Um, and then also, like, is it time for you to branch out and, like, invest in other friendships that feel a little more balanced while still keeping in touch with her? But I would address the, I would definitely address the first birthday party thing. But I guess it sounds like it was a while ago. But that, to me, tells me there's something else going on. Okay. Tara asks... Can you talk about some of the witchy things you do, like tarot cards? Yeah, it's funny because I'm not I like I'm not like super into tarot cards. I just bought a deck mostly just for funsies. And I have had like my tarot cards read to me before at like a girl's night, um, which was a blast. I would say it, most of the quote witchy things I do are actually just um, like nature based things. We the year that we homeschooled um for covid so was that 2020 2020 2021 yeah um we did a lot of just like nature based learning and like started celebrating kind of the um 
like the wheel of the year celebrations, which are like the sol, you know, the solstices, you have winter and summer solstice, and then the spring and fall equinox. And then halfway in between each of those, like the, the solstice and the equinox and the equinox and the, um, solstice are for additional like celebrations or whatever. I really enjoyed it just from like a science perspective. You know, I used to teach science and um, because it it feels one, it's like more low key, like than celebrating, you know, these really commercialized <laughs> holidays that we're used to celebrating and like jamming them all into like a <laughs> two month period. Um, it, for me, as someone, especially who struggles in winter, it's like a nice reminder that like time is moving on a lot of the times, just like acknowledging the passage of time. So I think that's like the, the most witchy thing I do, which is, it's kind of funny that people think of it that way. Cause again, it's just like, you know, dividing the wheel or the, um, the calendar into like this cyclical wheel and then celebrating, um, the various the various like changes that happen in nature and i think a lot of it too is because we're not super religious like i was raised christian but um we 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 celebrate like christmas and easter and all that but more in the the natural nature centered way um so yeah it's it's just nice, I think, to have traditions and celebrations like the kids really look forward to it. I look forward to it. And again, because it's like it's just much more simple, um, like it, it'll be like we'll have a candlelight dinner and that's like the extent of it, you know. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I mean, I love things like essential oils. I very much believe in aromatherapy. I love me some Palo Santo and, um, but I don't like, I'm not into the, <clears throat> the like peddling of essential oils, <laughs> not to offend anybody who does. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love all that stuff. Like I haven't gone to get a massage in forever, but I know that <clears throat> the last time I did, I walked in and the entire place just like smelled like uh lemongrass she was like diffusing lemongrass i feel like i felt my whole body just like ah like i i love that like all the aromatherapy type stuff um and then but most of it is just for fun and i don't i don't think we get too like involved in any one practice but yeah it's mostly it's mostly just those those nature-based holidays that we we've learn about and um i think it's it's good for the kids too to again mark like the passage of time like the uh we just did um like groundhog's day is also like saint Bridget's day and in bulk and all those because you find out whenever you start to like look at these these holidays that occur like here it's called you know groundhog's day and at the same time as carnival and all of those tend to fall around the same time and it's because it is halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox and so all these different like cultures had these different celebrations and i think it's a great way of just of of showing the kids like the the way that all these holidays around the world really overlap and have like share similar meanings and kind of just like broadens their worldview of all of it 
do you do anything special like on a full moon? I am enamored by the moon and usually will like I pay attention to the phase of the moon for sure. Like, but I don't, I don't have any special rituals that I like, I don't go out and like bathe my crystals in the full moon or anything like that. Um, but I am always like, Oh, like I can almost always when shit's going bananas in my house, I'm like, it's a full moon, isn't it? And then I'll like, look it up and sure enough. Yep. Full moon. Um, and I, cause I do feel like we are so much more, you know, intertwined. We think of ourselves as separate from nature and we're not like, we're really not. And we're very intertwined with it all. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's fun to learn about. And I feel like it also develops a great like respect of nature as well for kids who are learning. Um, and I think like that's, more important than ever I think with our you know current day and age is like raising kids who know that they are they're part of nature they're not this isn't some separate thing um I'm probably sounding pretty woo woo at this point but (laughs) well that was our last question it always flies by Thank you all so much for submitting your questions. I really enjoyed reading them. If I didn't get to your question, I'm sorry. Hopefully we'll get to it in a future episode or I can talk about it on Instagram. And we will catch you next week. Momplicated is a Bravadio production with support from Acast. It's hosted by me, Dana Phillips. Our producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. It's presented solely for entertainment purposes. The opinions expressed here are not intended as legal, psychological, or any type of professional advice. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, You can follow, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And for more content, follow me on Instagram at Dana.com. P. Phillips. See you next week.